Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 160 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Oh, boy. Yeah? Yeah. It's, uh... It's it's been a week of work again. Yeah, like, yep, yep, in a yep, day, yep. in a day. Like it wasn't even a matter of like, you know, oh this you know this whole week has just been cut. No, it was in a day. It was like crazy today. Yeah, yeah. So I yep. just I felt like I had meeting, phone call, meeting, phone call, meeting, <laughs> teams meeting, phone call. Like I'm feeling that too because I took yesterday or uh, last week off as vacation. Yeah, uh, and I I'm I work a solo position, so like there's I have no backup in my job. Yeah, it just piles. But it just so it just piles for the week. So yeah. I've I've was almost hitting the bottom of my backlog mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and then they start piling more stuff on me and <laughs> yeah uh so. aside from that you know the world i'm just very world weary right now so wednesday night therapy night is going to be good for me we did have your game we did have my game and we had something happen in your game which we talk about and i i wanted to make sure we addressed it because i thought it it handled it, it went better than i expected at the same time kind of like we've been Built, like we've been talking around this yeah, for months. Yeah, you know, we, we, we talk about how um you know, oh our, our our games have, you know, points of failure too, you know, no 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 table is perfect, no table is you know uh, uh immune to this sort of stuff. Right. And um we had a moment where uh one player did something and uh it really tilted you out mm-hmm. of character, like you personally, Rob. Yeah. Um and you X carded it. I did. Uh, and you were like, nope, 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 I'm calling bullshit on this. Yep. And I'm like, are you X-carding this? And you were like, yeah, you know what? I am X-carding it. I'm yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Let's talk about this. Yeah. And we just paused what, game at that point and had a what's conversation. Going on? And yeah. we talked through it like adults. Some opinions were shared about how different characters were executing their characters within the plot, um, how those actions were perceived, mm-hmm. uh, what the motivations behind certain things were. Cause I think you had a, um, you had the wrong perception of what the other player was trying to do with the action that you X-carded. Yes. But at the same time, that player had never made it clear that in any that's, way. In any way whatsoever that that's what their motivations were. Yep. So there was nothing for you to have known. Yeah. And the execution of everything I think went really well. I think I <clears throat> I stepped into it and even they pointed out later that the trigger was obvious. It was the end of the plot that was involving my character. Mm-hmm. I felt like I had gotten my role playing point to wrap it up with a bow, basically, yeah, 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 and yeah. be like, "Perfect, this is kind of the closure I wanted." I'm handing it back to the, the storyteller you and say, "We're good." Put a cherry on top of it, and that other player swooped in and grabbed the cherry. Right, and I'm like, "That wasn't for you." Right, and I just it instantaneously tilted me. It was like, yeah. "Wow, wow," I feel like this has been stolen. But but the but the the great and this is the reason we're bringing this up as a positive though mm-hmm. is that. Um, we, we all talked through it like adults, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it did take about 20 minutes or so, um, to, to yeah. talk through it. Oh, God, total. yeah. But, but I think everybody got their, got their, their, their voices heard. Yep. And at the end, um, your reaction was very much like, I'm actually really glad this discussion happened. Very because much Because so. it's the first time anyone's ever X-carded anything at my table. Yeah. And you said, like, 
a year ago, I'd have just sat there and quietly fumed about it. And, and, then, ta- and, then, and then privately talked about it with you later, which wouldn't have resolved it. Which wouldn't have resolved it, because cause I, I would have had to telephone game through me, through everybody else, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The situation still would have happened, too. Exactly. So. And this time around, we basically tested that the X card would work at the table, mm-hmm. and it did. Yeah. And uh, your, your assessment of it was basically that we... Um, you you now feel more comfortable that yeah. that is a mechanic we can use, and yeah. that, and that the table will not react adversely to it. Correct, and I think some of the other members at our table who who would question whether they c- could get the strength to throw one, I think said that even came back with like, I'm not usually comfortable with these kind of situations, and by the end of it, like, okay, I got it. Yeah, like, this makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I thought it was really good. I think I think it was. <clears throat> It was a moment for me to say to basically I threw it out there in the sense that I was unprepared for it. But I think you're calling me on to be like, is this an X card? Do we need to stop? And I was like, yes, mm-hmm. I think that was the best way to open it was like, OK, let's let's pause this. Let's let's get into this. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, there, and there's there's a number of ways I could have resolved that if you if you just said, yeah, the X you you at, at the end of the discussion, you were like, OK, I understand why you were doing the thing you were doing. You're not mm-hmm. actually stealing the cherry. You're just. Right. You're, you're trying to transplant the cherry somewhere else and keep it in the story. And right. I understand right. now your motivations instead of just being a selfish jerk. Right, right. Um, like just continuing to play that aspect of your character because it's the only one we're seeing. Right. You essentially tried to take a magical artifact out of bounds. Right. And the other tra- player tried to bring it back into bounds. Right, right. Um, like I don't, I don't need my character ever seeing this again or interacting with this again. Mm-hmm. In fact, my character's getting rid of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And... It, it turned around and, and I was okay with it because the explanation was there and we, we were able to meta, meta through it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that exposed quite a bit for me and that other character and it exposed how we could move through things. Sure. But I think it worked really well and it showed that you, ev- like we talk about, like mm-hmm. even at the most advanced tables where people have been friends for decades. Yeah. 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 In our cases, it's still hard to, to go and step in and do ax carding kind of stuff. Oh, it is. It is. Well, it's because it, we none of us like confront, I mean, confrontation, you know, and and telling the story, telling the storyteller to bring their story to a screeching halt because, you know, you you don't want to be the squeaky wheel, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera. Well, it's your game, and I'm just trying to enjoy it. And yeah, like you, exactly. but you gave me like this plot to work on, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna invest a mm-hmm. little bit of myself into this character and see where it's going. And and you were able to work with me about like because I really hadn't given a lot of backstory. Yeah, and this kind of in through game, you kind of helped see what, you know, you gave me why paths of like, okay, here's an option. Mm-hmm. I'm going to point out what you did. And then we're going to like through game kind of expose yeah, sure. it and talk about it. Sure. And you kept layering those out until we got to a point where it was very wide. Mm-hmm. Like we've got, we're at a fork in the road. What you going to do? Yeah. And I played through it. I was like, okay, I feel pretty good about this. And it was like, it, it having that close with a, with a lemon just mm-hmm. felt so off. But but in the in the end, actually, after the discussion, mm-hmm. then I put the power right back in your hands. Mm-hmm. Of like, okay, now that we've talked it out, yeah. Do you still want your X card to stand? Yeah. And you were like, no, actually, I, th- I think now that I understand the motivations, now that yeah. I understand what what is happening in the in the story here, 
I'm taking the X card back. Right. It's and cool. Saying, it's cool let it roll. Let it go. Right. Um, didn't end up making much of a difference anyways because the character didn't accomplish what they were trying to do. But, no, but it uh, but it allowed the moment to exist. And it wasn't yeah. like you don't hide your role, so it was just a matter of how things rolled out. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, it was like it was good that we took that pause. Yes. So Yes. Yeah. No, I thought I thought it was fantastic. Uh, overall, though, game, uh, game I think it went, no, went really great. Game went put, very put a, well. Put an amazing little bow on the end of a started cool little... with a spit take. <laughs> it started with a spit take, which was great. You rarely see those. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we put a nice little bow on it, and I think we're gonna. Um, so next game session um, is probably coming up. But we're trying to find a date in June where we can go. Yeah. Um, and then we're gonna do a session zero point three. Yeah, because we're we're stepping out of this story and into the new one. Well, not only that, but we're we're all new to Savage Worlds, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, like even I, as a storyteller, didn't you know didn't know Savage. I'd never run Savage Worlds yeah. up until this point. So, um, being that we're all kind of new, we all kind of made our characters in that vacuum of not right. understanding the system. Um, I'm kind of offering just like free respects, and I did this with Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition too when we very first started. It was like, okay, we were through the first major plot arc. We've got like five games under our belt. Let's um, let's all take, you know, take a moment back and see like, okay, what did we like with our characters? What didn't we like? And no questions asked. You get another free like character, like just make your character again. Yeah. If you need to, if, if you need to, if there's spells, <clears throat> spells you didn't find were useful things that you didn't think, you know, you weird mechanics, you, you want a D six in your notice instead of D four whatever, mm-hmm. you know, cool, whatever move points are on as long as it, as long as it's fair at the end of the day and follows the character creation rules. Then awesome. Yeah, and we're getting a another uh, effectively a raise of our characters, another level up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, within their world, uh, which I always get bad. What's the term? It's a. It's not a raise. It's an advance. Advance. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah, I'm terrible at remembering these things, but yeah. So yeah, uh, and my game is Saturday. Yep. And we're talking about my game tonight. And tonight is your campaign breakdown. So we have stalled for long enough. We have, we have. stalled for 10 minutes. Yeah. You are not immune to your own BS. I am not immune to my own BS. <laughs> my, my game has been going on for a very long time. So let's hear about it. What is your campaign? So my D&D campaign is a high fantasy um, of unlikely adventurers. Okay. Um, and I say that in the sense that not everyone is from the world that I set up. Um, and that makes it, made it more challenging for me right off the bat, but at the same time gave me kind of some very interesting hooks and info and things to look up and kind of pull together. Um, it was originally actually in D&D 3.5, uh, and uh, then we flipped to 5th edition. Um, and... Uh, in essence, I wanted a world without gods. Mm-hmm. Um, considering one of the players is a cleric who was coming from another world, I wanted to see how that would play out with them. Yeah, yeah, how yeah. How that would come yeah. off. Um, actually, in, in the, the, the funny thing to note about that character is actually from my homebrew game world. Right, which I, I discussed with you a little before yeah. I even ran this. I was like, I'm interested to know more about that character and what happened in that world. And you just gave me a few elements that I pulled from. Yeah, it was something I wrote in high school, so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't too great. But no, but at the same time, there was it was memories, and mm-hmm. I think that was one of the things that I liked about it was I wanted everybody to have something that they were really interested in. I didn't want to let them limit, but I wanted them to be interesting characters. Sure. And so in that, it kind of was a sandbox game in a world that I had designed with a very soft, uh, soft 
uh, premise mm -hmm. that sat behind the whole thing. Worth so. noting, too, that this is actually how I met you. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I was invited by that cleric's player yep. uh, as as a mutual friend to come join your D&D &D game. Yep. And uh, the rest is history, so. Yeah, so that was 15 years ago. 15 years ago. <laughs> that we started this oh chaos. Oh, my God. That yeah. was a whole gender ago for me. That was. That was. Uh, it is It is exceptionally interesting that as I went through my notes, uh, the uh, I had uh, I, all of the times when I would see the previous administration listed, mm -hmm. I would have to question, be like, oh, who, oh, that's right. Okay, okay. And I've known you for 15 years. Been so long you forgot my dead name. Kind of? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't. I have to think about it. Yeah, I literally yeah, yeah. have to take the time to think about it, which I really respect myself for, for being able to shift things because my brain always goes back and rewrites those things in my head. Yep. Yep. So, yep. so yeah. Yeah. 15 years. So, all right. Uh, here's a question for you. Okay. Um, now seventh C is typically your wheelhouse. It is. Um, it is. and so, uh, when you're conceiving of a new campaign, um, you chose D and D over seventh C. What was your thought process behind that? Um, Number one, um, the the seventh C first edition engine uh, and mechanics are not really friendly with making new worlds. They're they're really bound by the seventh C uh, mythos um, to to a degree that it's 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 very hard to kind of um, do anything else in them. It's you could take seventh C and run it like its mythos in something else, but to take the mechanics and try and shift it, it it doesn't it falls apart. There are aspects that would work, but I knew I was going to have casters. I knew I was going to have those things, and I didn't want them to be hampered or limited. And so, and having players who were like, oh, I've always wanted to play this character. I only got to play this character for a little bit, mm -hmm. or I'm really, in, you know, I was interested in this, you know, or give a character, give a player who traditionally just fills the role, mm -hmm. you know, of what needs to be filled in, like the opportunity to say, what do you want to do? Yeah. yeah like, I'm yeah. literally going to give you. Uh, carte blanche here to do what you want and hearing them go okay crack their knuckles and go to town right right and i had that i got that out of the group and i, I really did love that yeah, yeah um, absolutely. so in that sense D D kind of hit the mark because 3.5 at the time wasn't bad um no it was the soup du jour at the time at, yeah. at the time there was yeah. a lot of really neat things about it a lot of I, I think there was a hotness to it because people were like oh it's got feats and it's got these other things in it and it it's, was such a refreshing breath of fresh air after second edition yeah. like you like basically they had me at there's no thaco yeah you know <laughs> um yeah and at the same time like i had play tested some of it um with one of the players uh, before 3.5 came out, and I was happy that we got a point five. I was mm -hmm. really happy about that. Like, it needed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like... I hated buying all the books again. Yeah, tell me about it. Um, but I think that uh, there were a lot of elements to it that really was intriguing to me and allowed me to kind of create a scope that wor worked out really well. Um, and I was going to have elements that that fit a more generic fantasy setting. And at the time I really didn't, I wasn't going to go after GURPS. Yeah. I wasn't going to go after Palladium. Like I didn't want to try and throw a whole bunch of people. And most of my players knew D and D well enough to be able to say, like if I'm talking about a race or I'm talking about a power, or I'm talking about something, they all could very comfortably pick it up. Yeah, that's true. I like, I, I think 15 years ago, like I, I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly what the role playing landscape looked like, but I don't think things like, 
I don't think Dungeon World was around. No, it was um, not. I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, we didn't have the One Ring RPG mm-hmm. and that. You know, so uh, I mean, as far as not like, in mainstream. I'm yeah. going to run a generic fantasy game. I don't know that you had a lot of options 15 years ago, other than third edition D and D. Yeah, well, at least not ones that I felt comfortable running. For right, certain, right. You could go to a generic system. But yeah. yeah, like yeah. I mean, if you're looking to do like generic high fantasy, mm-hmm. I mean D. D and D is like that. That's it what it's the, good at. It was yeah. the bread and butter at the time too. So, so after uh, quite a bit of a hiatus, yes, um, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. Oh yeah, um, you uh, we got back into the game. We did. Uh, we did. After it being was, on pause uh, for a while. 2019, I want to say we jumped back in, and part of that jump for me was that fifth edition came out. Mm-hmm. Um, we had we skipped fourth altogether. Altogether, we just scrapped it. I, I found some notes about fourth, and I think I just. Threw them away pretty much uh-huh. and, and didn't never use them. Um, Heat sinks in live chat groups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, after the break, D and D Beyond became a thing. We had, um, you know, uh, Fifth Edition was good, and so I kind of said like, how hard is it going to be to get us going again? And are people interested in playing it again? And I did have the interest; it was there. And I'm like, okay, I need this mm-hmm. because I need to. I need to do something. I already have this established. People want to know where things are going, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to restart. I'm not restarting this, but I am. I'm. I'm hitting the the power on button for this and saying, okay, if we start here, this is how I'm going to start it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of power forced you guys into act four yeah i i I did a hard move into act four a lot faster than i expected um but i think that um the pause was good Mm -hmm. because i think if we played 3.5 into four and then four into five it would have been garbage mechanically i think we i would have had a lot more issues and i would have struggled a lot more um but at the same time, it was more about the story, and I recognized how much I had shifted into story mode. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think looking back, if even on flipping into 5th edition, I probably should have done something else, done another system. So tw- hindsight in that sense, I, I there could have been other systems that I moved into. Um, but really, it was the... It was the opening gambit of us starting to to, to talk more about mm-hmm. gaming. Like, we started going over, because of D&D Beyond things yeah. in gaming and that's where like how are you running this how are you looking at this you know what other systems and things are we looking at doing is this even the right system and it was those very talks that we said why don't we just start a podcast and yep. here we are so now you guys all get to put up with us yeah so i i think that um since then now that my players because my i think you all jumped in at ninth level we yeah. are now we are now 10th yes um going on to 11th I well, think. yeah. I mean, uh, you've been using milestone XP. Yeah, I think um, I think this next, and you've made it pretty clear that like advance, like race to advancement is not like no. a big focus of this. So honestly, like if we just sit at tenth level, like, yeah, it's not that you know, big of a deal. Um, we're in the home stretch of your story, anyways. So yeah, and but I wanted you guys to get to a point where like, and we talked about this, where like you can fight a god, mm-hmm. like they're not as critical as a problem and that was a part of my game i wanted that to come around as a possibility Mm -hmm. um that you guys could meet um and duel with a god and i was like okay let's 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 get that chance out on the table all right so we'll tell you what let's we'll get to the themes and 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 elements of your story a little bit uh in in a little bit but uh let's start off with kind of some of the more mundane stuff so um just from a storyteller standpoint uh, just what, what, what goes on behind the screen? Is, is there even a screen? What tools do you employ to organize your campaign and execute your game at the table? Um, originally, like 15 years ago, I used a lot of Word. 
mm-hmm. and notepad documents. Almost every game session I had a Word or two document that was describing pretty much everything that was going on and all mm-hmm. my info about them. And then I'd have a notepad that was just trash full of pretty much roles and monsters and hit points and things that happened and notable quotes and things like that during the sessions. Right on, right on. Um, like you shorthanding. Since, you since moved on to Google Docs. Yeah, I do use Google Docs heavily now. I keep spreadsheets, NPC names, yep. and I replicate my episode sheets so I'm keeping my formatting and I, I can carry information over really easy. Mm-hmm. So I love that about it, and it's accessible on tons of devices for me so I can literally, at a moment's notice, go write something. Sure, and if you need me to print something for you or something yeah. with that in full quick color, share. you can yeah, just quick share it off yeah. to me and whatnot. So um, which is great. great, or share to the group very easily mm-hmm. with just a quick link. And yep. I love that. Um, back to which I think backs up my Discord, um, I, which I think is invaluable. I I love that Discord is not just a messenger and not just a message thread and not just a voice space. It's I've been loving Discord, yeah, for gaming especially. Like. Um, I think it's changed the landscape because it's effectively infinite tagged storage conversation. Yeah. And that right there is huge. Mm-hmm. Being able to put links and put pictures and tag things and pin them. Yep. All of those things come into play so well, and they're just so naturally easy in there. I mean, I'm selling Discord, and yes, it's annoying when you have a 100 servers, and each server has, you know, 60 channels in it, and people are adding you and, and everyone in and hearing, and you've got to mute things. Yeah, that's no different than the news groups and things like that before. Go, go Gadget Introvert. I have like 10. Yeah, but <laughs> at the same time... Having that access to that much information and be able to quickly search through it makes it amazing mm-hmm. to be able to go back and look at stuff. And I love that. I love that about helping about moving the gameplay, especially during the pandemic. It was huge. Oh, it was huge. Yeah, especially with the voice channels and stuff that we yeah. had to play remote and whatnot. Yeah. It was easy to switch over. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned D&D Beyond before being one yeah. of the big draws. Um, I remember when you got your subscription. Yeah. Like you, you bent the money and, and dropped like 300 bucks. Yeah, the $300, you know, uh, the, the, the PHB DMG monster manual yep. and I think like Xanathar's guide or something like that yep. was all involved in there. Yeah. Like and it was great because I remember playing in your game, being able to quickly make characters and see all of the available stuff for them. And as long as you were in a campaign with me, because I had the, mm-hmm. the master subscription, all of my books got shared with you guys. So you guys had all that, all that at your fingertips. Yeah. And then I just ended up buying my own. Yep. Um, and supporting it from there because they had a good deal on it. And, uh, I'm still keeping it to this day because it's really nice to have all those character sheets available mm-hmm. for everybody to be able to put in some campaign notes. I feel like there's more that they could, could do for the meat and potatoes of the campaign and support on that side. Um, and I definitely think they need to to work on the encounter engine and things like that because I feel like th- there's a lot of problems still in that. There's talk that they're going to try to expand it into a full-blown VTT. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it yeah. happens. And I, I think both of us are kind of moving away from this as a game system anyways. So, right. Uh, I, I just feel that there's a lot of things they could be doing, and I think they're they're waiting to make too much. Maybe. Like, modularize it. Don't mm-hmm. don't try and make it one big thing. I think Wizards also recently bought it. They did. They're, yeah. It's 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 back in the wheelhouse. So, yeah, it's it's interesting to see uh, what they end up going with and how that development cycle goes. So, so. speaking of VTTs... Yeah, I used Foundry. Um, I actually started with uh, the original uh, tabletop simulator, which was unlimited and 
and kind of bulky and didn't do a good as good a job as I'd like because it had the appeal that everybody could use it and mm-hmm. have access to it and it was cool when it worked but if your system wasn't up to snuff you, you there were assets you just wouldn't even see yeah assets wouldn't load there would just be little white dots and you and were like so you were tragic. like look at this amazing table I set out and I'm like Oh, you mean the map with the white dots on it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that that made it really hard. So then I yep. moved to to Foundry VTT, which I actually run my own server. I have it here. Yep. Yep. Um, and that was really nice to be able to have ownership, to be able to control it, and it's web based, so everyone has the same view, yep. which is really nice. Um, there's a lot of great compression features that they do in it to make it uh, stream really easy on pretty much every device. And a lot of really great plugins for mm-hmm. – uh, and it can run multiple game systems too. So like yeah. I know there's a, there's a Savage Worlds uh, uh, module out there for it and some yep. of that. So, yep. so um, it, it was a lifesaver, especially during uh, COVID, to be able to have the assets that I needed quickly loaded. And mm-hmm. to be able to invest time into it um, little bits at a time – um, because it was my own server and have control, there, the cost was very low. Mm-hmm. The the investment could be whenever I had time for it, and I could just leave it up. Uh, um, now for for your VTT, um, you were uh, you had a, a need then for for like battle maps and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so yes. you and I kind of uh, put our heads together on that one and discovered a couple really good ones. Um, you've been pulling a lot from like Patreon. Yes, I, I found a number of Patreon people who I love i think they do incredible maps i think their stories within their maps are amazing and for very little money like oh, yeah. dollars a month you you have access to all of these maps that they create and like backup versions of them and and sketch versions of them and things like that and most of them now are going either going forward or have actually gone back and done edits where it does it's already part of vtt that you literally drop it in and all the walls and lighting works oh yeah the walls the animated lighting and stuff like that and then you have animated maps that are now in a web p format yep which are amazing because you have seas that move and mm-hmm. lights that flicker and other effects. I threw one in one of my games where it was it was the end part of the tree for uh, one of the sections, and you could hear the tree groaning and oh, wow. moving. And I loved that adding that feel and having leaves falling and and depth of field. It was it was beautiful to be able to grab those things because I'm I'm not an artist. Um, which we ran into when I started doing maps. I felt terrified about doing maps, and, like right. being good at it. And we we actually uh, there there was an, uh, a past episode we did. Um, I off the top of my head, I don't remember the number for it, but yeah. it was uh, the the title of it is uh, environmental storytelling with maps. Yeah. Um, when I did get you into using Dungeon Draft. Mm-hmm. And explain to you that it's not art; it's environmental storytelling, yep. and that was kind of that break point for you where you were like. Wait, hold on a second. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't have to draw something. I don't have to be artistic. I just have to describe the room and put the stuff that I'm describing into the room, right? Off of the the multiple palette of yeah. And I think my fear came from years of watching people do things in Photoshop with layers and yeah. knowing how to yeah. do that versus slap, 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 paint, paint, slap, slap. Look, it's a in and it looks good. And it looks great. Yeah. It looks great. I've seen the maps you've created and they're mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. they're. They, they, I feel much better about it. So I've kind of stepped away from the I'm not good enough vibe on that. Mm-hmm. I definitely do not feel that I'm at the level of some of the map creators that I've seen, but I make some decent maps. Yeah, but sure. Exactly. Uh, one of the other one of the other uh, uh, things that you introduced me to uh, mm-hmm. that we've both been making heavy use of. In fact, you were making use of it just this afternoon mm-hmm. to grab uh, to put together an NPC card for uh, one of your one of your other NPCs. 
is artflow.ai. Yes, I highly recommend it. I, I it, It's not a sales thing. It's available for free. Everyone should just log in and use it. And um, you just type the dis- a word description of the type of face shot you're looking yeah. for it to generate. And an AI generates. I literally typed in the other day, male punchable face with a smirk and got that. <laughs> and got basically the guy you were looking for. Yeah, you know? well... I went into higher detail because I wanted to get a very specific thing. and I, <laughs> You I, added I, the words, with a mustache. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was funny was um, I had an image in my mind of what the person looked like. Uh-huh. And I was able to create it in as a uh, in an STL uh, mini that I sent to you so you could get it printed and painted up. Um, but I also wanted to try and create an image for that. And marrying up a digital image with a not- you know, with not having an art piece first gets kind of challenging, but I mm-hmm. remembered the actor, uh, and it was, uh, Carrie Ellis from Princess Bride. Yeah, sure. Um, I remember his mustache mm-hmm. when it was thicker in another movie, and so I was like, oh, okay, look, I'll start with Carrie Ellis, see if I can get Carrie Ellis with a heavy mustache, and I started that direction, and literally just kept adding words until I got exactly what I wanted, yep. and I came up with two versions of it and said it to you today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And all of that was just me writing words until I got what I wanted. Yeah. And I love that. I absolutely love that that ability that AI can help you to that level. Oh, absolutely. absolutely, you know. And I think everybody should try it. Just give it a shot. I and if uh, if you want to see a sample of one of my uh, NPC cards, let me know. I'll throw it in the Discord Discord so you guys can see what those look like. Same. Um, it's it, it's fun. It is a lot of fun. Uh, so you do use a GM screen. From uh, time no, to time, I have. Yeah, you don't really use all. We're not. We're, neither of us have. We've both kind of moved away from like hiding our stuff from the players. Totally, totally. Uh, we kind of more roll out in the open and stuff like that now. Yeah, so my last session, I didn't even have it up. The only thing I had up was my tablet. Yeah, and I, I just keep my my bucket out for everybody to see. I put mine up last game because it has a bunch of combat rules on the inside of it. It helps. That's, that's it honestly helps. Reference. Um, uh, so you talked about your NPC cards for a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, yeah. So NPC cards were something that kind of happened organically, actually, out of out of my need to have visual information mm-hmm. about the about my NPCs and a little bit of story to be able to tie the words. Remind and me who laws. this dude yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I mean it, it's a game that's been running for fifteen years. So there's probably seven years of gameplay, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of NPCs. That's a lot of story. That's a lot of movement. It's it's hard to keep track of things. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. So I, I recommend it. But even for smaller games, it gives you another tactile thing that your players can play with. Exactly. You exactly. know, to keep those players who need something to stare at or read, they love that. Mm-hmm. They love that. Uh, now, you uh, you also like to employ minis and train. I do on occasion. I, I still have a deep part of my heart of wanting to build a giant dungeon and slowly reveal it to my players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I envy Draven every time I see his dungeon crap get set out. Oh, yeah. Like, I look at that, I'm like, oh, man, I still want to get in on the dungeon and just oh, drop some minis mm-hmm. in there, you know? And instead, like, I end up doing digital stuff because I don't have the space. And I don't have the time to paint, and I don't have all the other things that that go along with that. But I have so much respect for it that I and and I I have such a visualization for it that I will do scenes in mm-hmm. mini because I still feel it's important to yeah. have that tactile edge. Well, the good news is you've got both myself and you've got our mutual friend Erica mm-hmm. who have just tons of stuff. Yeah, um, we, and we... so the moment you're like, "Hey guys, you guys have uh, like bunch of dark elves." Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Yep, yep. I, I mean, I, I just need, I, I just need something like, yeah, we got that. You know, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. That's always been a thing, and I love that. And I then, absolutely love like, that. A few times you've been like, Sarah, I need twelve orcs painted by tomorrow. How do yeah. we? How are we going to make this happen? And sit down at the house, and we bound them out. So yeah. that was wonderful. Uh, and you also keep uh, a little uh, Bluetooth speaker with uh, Spotify going. Sometimes I do, and not every game because we do have some uh, some auditory issues um, at the table, and it's been asked that it's not every time. Um, but uh, uh, I have been known to do it because uh, honestly, it's it's more inspiring for me. It reminds me of mm-hmm. things, um, and so I will definitely use it to to keep myself in the mind frame of the game, and then I extend that to my players for for being able to play within the same mind frame that I'm in. Yep. Yep. So, it's a it's a great subtle cue of the current mood of the scene. Yeah, I think I think when things step away from that, mm-hmm. I think is when it gets interesting, you know, when it gets more challenging. Um sound effects are always fun and I I intend to implore that more in cases where silence is a thing, you know, the yep. soundboard style. Yeah. Uh because uh, I, I definitely have seen its advantages in the past when I've used it. Um, I loved, like I said, using the one scene where I was using a digital map, but I had creaking and groaning mm-hmm. of the trees uh, to kind of show, like, it's old and it's hollowed out and there's, you know, the wind blowing through. Um, I remember when you guys were on the mountain and I had the wind blowing Yeah, yeah. Uh, through because you guys were in the inn and you could hear – the storm beating outside and the crackle of the fire, mm-hmm. and it, it created that ambiance to remind you where you were. Yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yep. All right. That's the tools of the trade. Yes. What's your story about? What <laughs> uh, what sort of story are you trying to tell? Where where was the root? What's 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 the underlying pinning of, of your of your story here? So the story started out as an idea initially about uh, a world without gods like i said it was going to be a homebrew i knew that but at the same time i wanted my players to be able to create the characters that they wanted in it i wanted to be able to have them either choose to be from the world or bring somebody in Mm -hmm. and then i would figure out how to attach that uh and keep it part of the world um so we had like i wanted to be able to present the world i wanted to be able to present how things are 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 changing because this is a different world than they're not used to. This doesn't have gods in it and what role that plays on things. Sure. And then finally, like kind of let the players choose or characters choose how that evolves and moves into the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think I originally titled it vanity of the gods mm-hmm. um, because I had a, a very clear image and uh, I probably should have named it smoke and mirrors <laughs> in the end but i'll explain why uh as we as we move on but right, that's, right, right. that was my big thing was is that i wanted to have a homebrew world that my that any of my players could drop anything in. sure sure so. um so what so go with that in mind going in mm-hmm. what did your session zero look like i didn't have a session zero it was trash um <laughs> i'll flat out say that um so, so I wasn't actually there for the beginning no, of your campaign. No, I so the in... very beginning of the campaign, my session zero wasn't was was a character building exercise um, over the course of probably two to three weeks, where I had players these these great players who were writing me backstories, were telling me about their characters, and giving me this like rich depth of who they were, uh-huh. um, or not at all, and then asking me about the world, and it was like. Well, I kind of need more. Like, who is your character? Like, who do you want to play? And they're like, well, I'm thinking of playing a half orc. Okay, here's what you know about. Here's what I'm going to tell you about the orcs mm-hmm. and how they're different. And then that would blossom into a story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I had, 
I even my players who really hadn't thought much about their backstory suddenly had incredible backstory. Yeah. And so yeah. everybody had these rich stories to come into and even you stepping into the game late mm -hmm. with your first character um you still had a rich backstory because mm -hmm. I had a place I told you all about it and you're like okay here's what's going on I'm like that fits perfectly. I was it was the other way around believe it or not. Oh that's... I came in and said I want to play someone who got got kicked out of a professional gladiatorial ring. Yeah. And you were like actually that's that's perfect because I have a, prof a place where gladiatorial combat's going to take take yep. place anyways and they're heading there right now. Yep. Cool. Let's Works do this me. thing. Yeah. So um so yeah that I I really didn't have a milk run either. I just kind of in media resed them right into a situation mm -hmm. that opened with two of the players effectively being teleported into the world in a organic way not a, not necessarily feeling like it was magical and then the other two characters coming upon them mm -hmm. in, a, in a series of, of stepped events that led through the first story if you could go back and do it differently would you based on my setup and how i had the players involved I think I would run the first session a little differently, mm -hmm. but I don't think I would do the overall feel differently. I think okay. I would have, I think I would have leaned harder into what the characters, what the players told me about their character backgrounds and mm -hmm. let those be the truth versus adapting it and, and shifting it into the story more so that that was their truth versus what was going on around them. Sure. Okay. So I think that would be my only changes. Okay. So. So who are the people in your neighborhood? Um, well, number one, by standard, my wife is in it mm -hmm. um, because, A, she wanted to play, and I was excited about that. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, Erica and Trev. Um, who, two, uh, two old uh, friends. Uh, two Erica old is friends. the person who got me into, yep. introduced me to you, got mm -hmm. me into the game, uh, and is my oldest friend from high school. Yep, Trevor's the partner, and I've known Trevor longer than I've known Erica. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, uh, uh, who is uh, my, my resident everything when it comes to rpgs uh and was my go-to for the longest time on like what's this game you know yeah because he has just a um, an amazing like encyclopedic knowledge yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's amazing i i often wonder how much edetic memory is going on there because the recall is incredible mm -hmm. um you mm -hmm. uh and uh um mad elf was actually part of the game for a period of time. For a bit, yeah. yeah. Then, uh, unfortunately, he had, to, he had to leave for work. Yeah, and then the game kind of paused. Um, and then I did have two other players who were going to be involved. And uh, in one situation, uh, it just it didn't work out timing-wise. There was no way to, to really fit them in. Mm -hmm. And then in the other one, it was a matter of scheduling and, and trying to see if we could even get their character made in the world. They were yeah. very, they were very leery about things going. We, we started down one road and went to another and then it just ended up not working. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't run it so big. And in fact, uh, um, I didn't bring back the Mad Elf into the game because at the point where I'd stepped it out, I was thinking like, I need to leave this to make sure that I don't, overburden myself yeah and yeah, i think no. it worked out i absolutely. think that worked out so absolutely uh so let's talk a little bit about uh about the the, the characters that uh those players brought to the table so um how they kind of fit into your setting and stuff like that. yeah so which is interesting so i'm going to start with the two that um who uh didn't exist in my world okay um so memnon is a high wizard of helrula in the forgotten realms universe as a whole um 
and uh, basically is a, a mage who lives in a mageocracy where everything is magic. Like, I mean, they have microwaves and toasters, basically, um, you know, that are magical. Do, they do experiments. Everyone goes to magic school. Like, any non-magic people who exist in that are, are not necessarily on the lower end of the, the totem pole or anything like that, but, like, they just, they're, 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 they're handicapped yeah, in comparison I mean, they, to they're, they're essentially second-class citizens. Yeah, it's, you know, um, but uh, not that they're mistreated, but they no, are. No, I mean, in some cases, they probably are. Sure. Um, but if you've heard of the term of the the Red Wizards of Thea and and that type of thing, that is the seat that we're talking about. Yep. That area. Yep. Um, and uh, that level of of mageness, and and this character was a apprentice to a greater mage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that was the the kind of step point was is that he. He gets thrown into an experiment and ends up in the world mm-hmm. um, by whatever that experiment was. Um, we then have Crowley Brightwind, who is uh, from your world, uh, Demosia, mm-hmm. um, from, you know, again, decades back. Um, Crowley is a cleric of the Destroyer, the Destroyer yep. uh, by, by trade, uh, lived in a very dark kind of war-torn world that bad things happened in but at the same point there's a heavy hand of magic being played there mm-hmm. um you've got you know powerful magics that are controlling uh, wo- weapons of war and massive amounts of destruction but at the same time very tight families yeah and and connections to people and uh this uh this individual uh, literally was uh, was searching through a battlefield uh, and kind of going through the broken remains, thinking about things, passed through just an, an archway that was left from a building or a or or something, mm-hmm. and walks into the world, not understanding was that a gateway? And there's no way to go back. Like, where am I now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the 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 quick change, if you will, sure. and, and discovering that they were somewhere new. Um, lots of both of those characters have evolved in different ways in, by coming into this world. Um, part of the world, uh, we have, uh, Torok, who was the, uh, it was a half orc. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get into the differences with the orcs, uh, because they're pretty substantial, um, and where they kind of came from. But, uh, he's a very noble figure. He, he kind of paints himself as a knight mm-hmm. or, 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 or like a roving knight, um, or, uh, not necessarily in the lordship fashion, but in the very respectful fashion. He's, he is a, he is a, a respected fighter and, uh, a respectful one at that. Um, you know, in, in plate, shining plate mail and just a, just a, a very stout gentleman. Uh, his history is, is that his mother was a human and his father was the, was the orc and they met and fell in love. Um, and in one of the passings of, uh, his family, uh, he was separated from them and they were locked up behind the, uh, great gate that the orcs have. Mm. And he hadn't seen his family in a very long time. Uh, but at the same time, part of being an orc is going and making a name for yourself and becoming something. And that's really what he focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Erwin, um, Princess Shiv Shiv. Princess Shiv Shiv. Uh, Erwin Marisol, who is a, uh, a high elf, um, from, uh, the western side of Garu where the great forest sits. Um, her father, the king, um, she is the probably like fifth or sixth daughter 
mm-hmm. in the line. Um, and uh, uh, her father, who uh, kind of unbeknownst to her was an adventurer but had a lot of friends, um, sent her away because he 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 had knowledge that things might turn. And so he sent her to a finishing school, which was run by one of his friends, Deacon, uh, which was basically a rogue school. Mm-hmm. And uh, Deacon took care of her uh, and made sure that she was well-trained in the arts of shiving and running uh, and, and stealth. This and, is my friend Ra's al Ghul. Take care of my daughter, please. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Very much so in that sense. That yeah. it's, uh, 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 Deacon uh, was respected and uh, um, his school was very respected and... So it was a good place for her to hide out because who would think that a princess would be halfway across the country in a little finishing school? Right, right. And so it it really did make her father very comfortable about where she was. Um, Unfortunately, he didn't realize that that the world was going to catch up with her. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Um, Your character uh, that stepped in late uh, was Ferdinand Bonesunder. Uh, a pit fighter. Yep. Uh, from Geldia. And I'll, I'll get, I'll explain Geldia as I, I get into things as well. And I'm talking about the world a little bit more, but, uh, effectively, uh, f- had a falling out with the, uh, with the pit fighting arena because. Falling out? No, I was kicked out oh, directly because yeah. I was juicing. You were juicing. With magic potions. You were juicing. You did have a, a, effectively a drug addition with potions, but you, you had some good contacts there. You had a person who kind of watched over you mm-hmm. and kept you clean. Um, and in all honesty, when I saw that, I had a, a direct inspiration for it. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in the Galtia side, but, uh, that I could clump comfortably see who your character was and the twists that I threw into it. So it made it very easy and very, very real for me when, as I was building things. Yep, so, yep. and then, uh, uh, when, uh, we had the, uh, we had a bit of a break in the story, mm-hmm. um, during which I was transitioning. Yes. I uh, decided I did not want to play a big, burly, deep-voiced fighter anymore. Correct, correct. Uh, and so I retired Ferdinand for my own mental sa- uh, sanity and uh, came in with Ravana Morton. Yeah, so Ravana came about um, because the group was going to end up having to go to the Orklands, and the Orklands are hiding behind. Basically, they, they sit in a uh, a crater of uh, of sorts um Up amidst very 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 high mountains yeah um and the only way into that mountain range as most people are aware is through a a very narrow pass that is protected by a gate like not unlike the gates of mordor it's it's gigantic it's massive um and a lot of traps and and magic that protect it uh that the orcs and uh um uh, gnomes put together. Uh, so they, they would need a guide to get them over the mountains. And so a guide was requested and the elves are very good about finding what they need and brought in Ravana, who is this powerful mage with, <laughs> uh, with a lot of knowledge of the mountains and mm-hmm. of the winter and of the cold. And, uh, the way you had described the character of basically being shoved out into the snow and said, survive it. Yeah. Uh, you know, you make your peace or survive it. I and took a I lot like, of inspiration okay. from, uh, Pai Mei from, uh, uh, yeah. uh, Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, in, in, and as time went on, uh, even Dr. Strange, like, yeah. here's a portal figure out how to oh, get home. yeah, the scene from Doctor Strange was very much Ravana's yeah. origin story of like, oh, maybe you'll freeze to death. Maybe you'll figure out how to make a portal. Yep. Who's to see? Exactly. So, uh, and then, I mean, uh, Matt's character, who was there briefly, was Rowan. Uh, and Rowan was incredible. He was a ranger. Uh, always kind of got himself into trouble uh, with his dog. 
uh, but uh, generally a jolly guy, and mm-hmm. I, I loved that. Like everything was okay. Yeah, like there was never really anything that kept Rowan down. So that was that was a beautiful part about. That's just kind of Matthew too. That though. is, like... he kind of got to play himself, which I loved. <laughs> I loved that. So, um, so I'll kind of break into the world a little bit, um, and try not to go too far. So, well, let's let's talk about let's focus on the things that are different from standard D and D. So, like, fair enough. Uh, so, your your orcs, yes, are very much not the bloodthirsty evil not race that... in the least at all. They are a cultured race, almost uh, a kind of a cross between um, like Roman uh, and I would say uh, Old English. And, yeah, I got a very Roman feel from yeah, that. Yeah, it's 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 that time period that kind of that we fantasize about um but they they still were very tribal. They still had their fa- hard family connections of the tribes mm-hmm. and how they moved. Uh but built fine cities, they were amazing craftsmen. They were one of the first races to really reach out culturally and very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, like the image of an orc showing up um is impressive. People want, like, it's like seeing a knight on shining armor right, riding yeah. down the path. You're like, oh my god, there's an, there's an orc an here. An orc is here. Oh wow. What did, <laughs> what did we, you know, what did we do to yeah, deserve an literally orc? This the is great. first half of the game, I yeah. made it known that every time he was there, almost somebody in every pub would be like, is that an orc? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a half orc. Still, it's an orc. Yeah. We haven't seen an orc in over a hundred years. You know, things, you know, over 50 years, people would tell these stories, like, it was unsure exactly how long ago it was, but it, it was long enough that people recognized that they hadn't seen one, mm-hmm. um, that they really had been, and that they were recognized to being very noble creatures, you know, and, and, and as a race. Um, and that uh, – I think that really made it uh, strong. I, I didn't want them to be uh, a, a race that was immediately hated. Um, my elves, on the other hand, um, I wanted to be uh, very aristocratic. I wanted them to have uh, a, a, an almost a house of lords and and you know king like the early yeah, days. I dare say that's pretty standard in D anD. d It is, but at the same time, like the king himself wasn't a classic king. Mm-hmm. He was doing you, 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 without without much uh, staring. You could see that he wasn't, he didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. Like, he wasn't about the politics. He was about trying to figure out what was right and wrong, and that didn't work out. I kind of saw him as like an Arthur character who, uh, from Arthurian legend, who was doing the best he could, but clearly didn't know what he had gotten into. Gotcha. Um, so, and the elves had all of the, the, the trappings, dark elves, wild elves, um, but nothing was cut and dry. Nothing was directly evil or, or anything like that. They all were part of the same yeah. group. Yeah. There's like cultural differences. Yeah. There's cultural separations between them. Yeah. Uh, now your gnomes on your hand, uh, I think yes. your gnomes took a lot of, uh, I, I get some really strong like World of Warcraft vibes, uh, off of them in that they're, highly technological like they've almost got a clockwork city thing going on exactly and in fact they were the first race that the orcs met with and uh, a lot of the orcs high technology was built by the gnomes yeah. which is a major plot point yeah uh, and they're, they're the walls of their city the finery the, the the size and scale was all built by the orcs so they worked a lot of hand in hand and mm-hmm. actually built and you guys did discover the subterranean steam system that controlled the city that that had a clock that basically was its um, regulator mm-hmm. and kept the whole city running 
on time, if you will. Yep. Uh, and I had that image in my mind of this giant clockwork city that was running by this clock in the city. Yep. Um, and, and give them that access that this was very free thinking. This was very, uh, technology forward and, uh, that they were the finest tinkers and crafters period. End of mm -hmm. story. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they saw that above all things. Um, and I, I didn't have a player like that, but I wanted it. I wanted that feel to be there in the game. Yep. Yep. So, um, humans were the late comers. Um, they, they basically are very cut and dry humans of, of any world where they are, uh, kind of solo. They, they keep to themselves. There's a level of spirituality that sits over the top of them, but at the same time, commerce is heavy in their minds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and their control of space of, of in Guru is that that wishes to be very expansive. Um, their kingdom kind of stretches without uh, rule, but within its duchies, like the king takes care of the 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 the, the kingdom of humans, but not necessarily the space they occupy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting that they how they handle that through through commerce. Um, which leads me to my halflings. My halflings in my world were my travelers. They basically, I, I penned them off of, uh, the, the trope of the, um, the weary, uh, uh, entertainers and, mm -hmm. and tradesmen and, uh, um, uh, uh, Wells Fargo-esque, mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, the Wells Fargo wagon shows up. Ooh, we're all excited. You mm -hmm. know, is it the thing that I'd asked for from the human realms? Cause I know this guy, or is it something that I've never seen before? So these people would bring entertainment. They bring everything. Are they going to have red cabbage so we can finish the community center in year one? Exactly. That yeah. kind of thing. Like literally <laughs> that kind of thing. And so I wanted them Cheers to Cheers to you if you got that reference. Yeah. And I, I wanted them to be that race that could connect everything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, they didn't need a space. The world was their oyster. Sure, sure. So, uh, and I, I actually had that penned as they would be the finest captains as mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. So, because they travel so much. Um, the one weirdness that I did throw into the game, uh, and particularly was because I, I did it, was that there was an area that was Geldia. And Geldia sat on the eastern coast and was its own thing. Like city kingdom yeah thing you described it to me as almost like medieval las vegas very much so there was a, a, a there's a high wall that blocks basically access to it mm -hmm. um and no other races laws applied within the city only the city's law applied so if like if a thief or a murderer or or someone who was exiled somewhere else came into the city and there were hunters coming after him the city would protect that individual because within their city walls that they were a different person no extradition correct yeah, yeah. um so if like you came in like don't don't go messing with the status quo the mask does not like that mm -hmm. and the mask was a group that i wanted to have there where this city was controlled by a conglomerate syndicate of individ of individual groups that all came together and basically said we want this place to prosper our way mm -hmm. so we're going to control the strongest port and make sure everything comes in the door we're not going to question what it is yep. we're going to make sure that it makes it to where it needs to go and if it you know in this city will be the best because of it mm -hmm. and it really was it mm -hmm. it it was a crazy city uh, of of everything you could think of yep 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 so, 
Uh, all right, so we talked about your characters a little bit. Um, yes. Let's talk about just like the evolution of your plot here, because uh, I know it did over the over the time it has changed a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has. Um, so like in the beginning, um, you had mentioned that like your inspiration um, at first was that you wanted a story just kind of about the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wanted a very character driven. You let everybody kind of create their own. Um, their own characters as richly and as vividly, even from differing worlds and pull them into yours. Mm-hmm. So their backstory didn't even directly have to tie into the world you were creating. Um, and then you wanted to lean heavily into their own personal stories and yeah. make that, um, integrate their characters heavily into the world. Um, so, I mean, other than putting that all on your characters and all on your players, um, mm-hmm. did you yourself as the storyteller have any sort of direction when you started? Um, did you have like a meta plot in mind of like, okay, sure, they're all going to contribute to the story, but we're all going to be, you know, following this plot thread. Or was this more of just like a, I'm going to do generic D and D stuff and see what floats to the surface. Um, before I even had, um, the world whole in my head. Um, I had this image of a world that didn't have gods that had forces, life, death, nature, magic. Um, and I thought about it and I was like, okay, if a god got a glimpse of this and they needed a space, who would it be? And so I started looking through the Forgotten Realms gods because one of my players was looking at the Forgotten Realms and I was like, okay, who's somebody who is wronged in a way, Bleals are wronged, is looking for something. And I came across Weejoss. Mm-hmm. And I said, here's a woman who, if she had an opportunity to take over as a god of magic in a brand new world, she would eat that alive. <laughs> she would jump right in because she, she's had nothing but problems. If you read through some of her stuff or know anything about her, you know that she's been messed with by other gods several times over and she is tricksy to say the least about magic. Sure. Um, but she's also stepped into other things. So I wanted to, I wanted to have that as a god. I wanted her to be the god who stepped in and wanted to try and take control. And then I started looking, okay, what forces or individuals came to aid that situation? How did she get an image of this world? What was the difference? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when I started kind of framing uh, Garou, the world, um, and started looking at what the players were offering and said, okay, what story can I write that really presents this opportunity and ties my players together? And so I came up with the idea that there was already a group of adventurers who had been in Garou. They had done a bunch of stuff. And during their lives, things happened, um, and one of them learned that there was going to be an untimely death or an uncertain future for one of the others that they felt very strongly about in their family, whether it was love or or just a heavy kinship. Mm-hmm. And so they took it upon themselves that they were going to change events. Okay. And um, the story was basically uh, was my players discovering that truth as the events are transposing that this person's trying to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then watching those events come to pass anyways. And then making their own decisions about what how the future should end up. Right, right. Um, so that's that's kind of the premise of the story as a whole, which I, which is funny. Until I wrote it down for the show today, I really hadn't put it in one succinct paragraph, and it was it, yeah, it, it felt kind of nice to actually put that down. So after all this time, 
Now, at, at, at the time when uh, when you were getting this going, uh, were you thinking that this was going to be a gigantic multi-year campaign, or were you kind of <laughs> uncertain how how this would all unfold? Like any good storyteller, I was like, oh, this will maybe run a year. <laughs> oh, um, oh, you wee summer child. Yeah, you, I, you I sweet had, summer child. I had an idea, um, and really was questioning it until the players got involved uh-huh. and I kept wondering how and who was going to be involved in things. But after a year of playing it, I'd realized I had a monster Yeah, like this. This was going, you haven't scratched the surface. You've got more questions than yeah. answers. And I'm like, ah. like they're digging through the world. I want to keep presenting to them. I mm. kind of want them. And the players, you guys were enthusiastic about it. You were like, what's going on with this? I want to know more about this. And that ebb and flow of like understanding and struggle, um, kept me wanting to keep presenting mm-hmm. and keep presenting. And that's really what it was about was like, I didn't, I was, I was proud and enthusiastic of my players. And I love, I love when I get to that point where I'm rooting for them and I want to see where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of kept driving me. And as I kept going, it was like, Oh my God, this ball is getting bigger and bigger because I, I didn't put any rails on it. I kind of let the baby run. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it ran. Oh God, did it run? <laughs> oh my God, did it run? So, um, all right, so so as as time goes on, yeah, uh, and this this the, as you said, the baby starts running. Um, you start kind of you, it starts kind of forming into this like uh, this this monster. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got you've got a definite shift in tone from just kind of a, a character based story to now you've got this world that's developing in their mm-hmm. wake and whatnot. Um, how did you go about like? shifting the tone from monster of the week character driven storytelling to something that is a bit more of a big meta plot um and potentially going to war with a god so when we first started it was like it was two times a month um it did feel much like a race like every time i was writing I felt like I needed to write more mm-hmm. and I needed to come up with more to explain the points to get from point A to point B. And it, it was really exhausting. It really was. And so um, I switched my mind frame to a doom clock mm-hmm. and started working toward relevant points in time. I knew I had to get to a point where the king was exposing what was going on with him and there were problems there. I needed to expose that there were issues going on with the orcs. I needed to expose that there were issues going on with the humans. I needed to eventually get to a point where I had a hard change in the story that mm-hmm. I had penned that was going to be a hard move. Um, I had actually two hard moves that I needed to get through. One was uh, the abdication of the king mm-hmm. um, and the character being risen to king status, um, uh, Vicky's character being risen to king status and, and the, the point of what that was going to be, um, as well as a, a shift into this prophecy, the, the final act. Yep. And yep. so I knew I had to get to those and I knew I had a doom clock to get there. And I think that really changed my focus and mm-hmm. helped me say, okay, now I'm not going to write – um, like, uh, what's the next moment, but more so like, I'm going to present, uh, I'm going to present things in a different way mm-hmm. and write my stories more about, uh, the event, like I'm preparing for the next, that next doom event. And what is the things that I need for that next doom event? So right, I think right, that right, was right. my big shift there. And now in the fourth act, I've reopened that here are the things that, you know, 
I've given you all the cards. Everything's now in play mm -hmm. and given you the assets as players to know the final points. It's just the finer points of getting to that finish, that closer. That's the that's the 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 part that's working uh, through the resolution yeah. and tying up those loose ends. Yeah. Right, and so now it's it's not so much a heavy work on my side so much as just remembering all the pieces that have been in play for the last seven years. Right on, right on. So now when you uh, when you when you did move uh, to a more you know meta plot style campaign, um, uh, did you and you said you, you you kind of employed like a doom clock sort of mm -hmm, thing? Mm -hmm. um, did you have like an ideal path? that your players would be guided towards or were you content to allow for more of like a, a sandbox style play? So there were times earlier on when I first started doing it that um, there was a road that was being followed. I was kind of leaving breadcrumbs. It was invisible. I wasn't like giving them maps saying you go from here to here to here. Mm -hmm. um, but it did feel very railroady when I first did it. I mean, I was literally doing the Final Fantasy, like, hey, Sid showed up with his airship, and he's going here. Mm -hmm. Are you going to join him? Are you going to join him? No. Well, I don't think that's very good. Yeah. Are you yeah. going to join him? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those kinds of moments. So, um, But these people need our help. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, no, a storm knocked the airship out of the air to this location mm -hmm. you know that kind of stuff i i did that and and made terrible hard moves at the time but some of it was feeling necessary so then i shifted my mind frame about how i wanted to present effectively the clues of the plot and the events of the plot and so instead i rolled back and 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 took my mind frame of okay what do i have to expose mm -hmm. okay i have to expose this does that have to be anywhere specific no let the players choose where it is. Great. Okay. Where are you guys going next? Quantum oh, we're ogres. Go we're going here. Qu yeah, exactly. Quantum ogres show up here instead. Yep. So quantum you know, plot elements show up here. Yep. The trick was I had to remember that yep. that's where I placed it. That, yeah. That's where it came into the world. You guys will remember that. And boom, we will return to that point in, in reference. The plot point leading to Act 3 has been changed. Please make a note of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and honestly, that really helped me change from writing scenes and images of what I expected yep. to writing ex exposés. Like, oh, now they've discovered that Kamor is an ancient who helped write, who helped create these orbs yep. of power. Oh, shit. Okay, he needs to, you know, he's he's someone not only to be trusted, but also now has a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. We need him. You know, those types of things. Yeah. Yep. So. All right. So we've we've moved kind of from from our character driven things. We've made this transition, um, fumbled around a bit with our with our with our plot and whatnot. But we've we've kind of hit this home stretch, especially after the long hiatus. We've got um, a lot more experience and time under our belt and whatnot. Um, and so we're kind of in the we're in the final act of your game, actually, mm -hmm. uh, kind of going for for wrapping up a lot of these loose threads and stuff like that. Um do you feel like you were successful in tying your plot threads together into a succinct meta plot? Like, do you think you made that transition um, successfully? And if so, like, what what hurdles did you experience while doing so? So, bef even before moving into the last the the final plot um, points and 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 making the hard move and actually getting to fifth edition, um, I remembered 
that my players were having a hard time keeping track of things. There was mm-hmm. a lot of things going on. There were a lot of things that they could do. And so it made the quests seem like, you know, what what's what's important, what's inconsequential, what should we be staring at? So I actually made quest cards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, yep, that helped, I remember that. That helped kind of keep things moving forward because at that point I think we had also shifted to monthly and that was also kind of messing with things. There was a lot going on. Players were just confused. It was less stress on you, but it was also lengthening the amount of time that we had to just forget what happened last session. Exactly. So moving into the fourth act, I needed to close things up. And the good news was there's nothing better to close up a whole bunch of quests than than an apocalypse. Than an apocalypse and killing your players for 200 years. Um, And then resurrecting them. So that at that point, like, yeah, a lot of things become meaningless. Uh Uh-huh. And you suddenly realize that the the important things are that you're alive and that (laughs) someone... Yeah, Final Fantasy VI does. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, yeah. um, So stepping into the, the fourth act, I did a hard move where a bad thing happened uh and the the player stepped into effectively a future world that was very different mm-hmm. um and that that made it easy but it also made me set clear goals it allowed me to represent the all of the information that you had learned in a different way yeah so that it was like okay these are the details that are important mm-hmm. here are the players that are involved let's cut down that npc queue to just a few things but we can make cameos yeah. All over the place. And yeah. I did. Um, and you so. drop in little bits of knowledge of things like, you know, this is what's lasted for 200 years. This yeah. is how it's evolved over 200 years. Exactly. Exactly. Here's a shadow of the thing you used to remember. Mm-hmm. And here's what it looks like now. Yeah. So and, 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 and the fun thing was always like, oh, you come here and like, oh, I remember this. And I'm like, well, what do you remember? And they're like, oh, and then this was here and this was here. That is still there, but it is now broken, mm-hmm. you know, or, oh, man, I remember this guy. Could he still be here as a ghost? Well, it's been 250 years. Let's find out. Mm-hmm. And so I could, I could rebirth memories from my players that were five, six years old, but easily get rid of things that were extraneous. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And and present important information that way. And it it felt really cool to be able to to create and I'll give you guys a effectively a checklist that you slowly checked off until mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, we only have a few things left to do before doing the thing yeah you know and 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 really understanding what's going on (laughs) so um you know and and you successfully accomplished uh giving my character a complete existential crisis and making her think that she wasn't real for several game sessions yeah but that's neither here nor there yeah never never tell you never Never not gracefully tell your players that they are resurrected because they may think that they're actually just homunculi and, and to- toys of someone else. Well, the, the, the problem is – the problem is is that Overwatch's character is – like we're both wizards, right? But like my character is like a geologist or a climatologist, you Kinda. know? Yeah, I'd give Where, it that. Whereas his character is more like an astrophysicist. So when an astrophysicist tells you, oh, yeah, this black hole is totally going to swallow the world – the climatologist doesn't know enough, like, very focused in my own bailiwick, in my own area of study, but like, I don't know what black holes do. I study the climate. You so know? I, I often look at the two of you, one is a theoretical physicist and the other one is a scientist. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a theoretical physicist. He can tell you all of the things that the universe could do. And probably does. Whereas I work in hard, measurable you're like, forces. You're like, show me an experiment that does this. Well, you can't create an experiment because we need infinite energy. 
Well, infinite energy doesn't exist. <laughs> Actually, it does if you do the following things. What effing good are you, Memnon? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah. you guys, you, again, you guys evolved in amazing ways, it's, and I love it's it. It's hilarious. I love it. Uh, so, okay, now, again, kind of touching on the whole evolution of your of your story and stuff sure. like that. Um, sure. And now that we are in the home stretch, and you've got this, like, clear 2020 hindsight to look back on your plot with. <laughs> 2020 hindsight. That's, uh, that's even funnier. <laughs> 2022 hindsight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what would you have done differently? Uh, uh, you know, kind of looking since we are at the kind of at the end of your campaign. Yeah. Um, I think it's a hard question overall because there's so many things that evolved from the game in a good organic way sure. for me. And I learned a lot that saying if I changed them, would it, would it have made it better is, is challenging. Mm-hmm. I would say I probably would have limited the scope drastically. Mm-hmm. I would have cut down the story heavy. I would probably have presented the cast, uh, given a much more ABC kind of direction of events, uh, and finished versus letting my players stumble through the dark warehouse to find a light switch only to discover that it's a maze back to the door yeah. on the way out. Yep. Like, that's effectively what happened. I 100% admit that, and it makes me a terrible GM, but I've gotten better. I, 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 I do remember sitting you down a couple times and going, I have no clue what's happening. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Every time so, we answer a question, we just get more questions as yeah. an answer. So. W- one, one question would enter, would ask three more questions. Yep. Um... But I think, I think if I did it over again, I probably would have exposed the history differently. Mm-hmm. I would have, and sooner, way sooner. Um, I'd have my NPCs explain more and know more so that it came out quicker, that it wasn't yeah. having to talk to as much and move around as much. I also would have closed loops on adventures much tighter so that we could have said, you know, we're done with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is open to continue. Do we want to? You know, so that I could give that. And I think, I think that was the the biggest misstep that I had was is that I never really gave hard resolution to my plots. Mm-hmm. It was always you finish this only to discover this and this. Yeah, and yeah. that made you at times want to continue going. Or begrudgingly, like, we can't let this just happen. Mm-hmm. We can't, this can't be the end. Um, and I think that was my biggest mistake there was, is that I didn't close the loop and then let you guys decide, like, hey, what happens with this then? Mm-hmm. Like, let you ask the questions to say, okay, you want to find out? Yeah. And let that keep going. I think that was my disservice. I think that was my hard, hard, hard piece there. Fair enough. So, Fair enough. So. Uh, all right, so um, we're kind of getting into the into the t- the tail end of the breakdown here. Um, yeah. You've got some some interesting things that have uh, that have come out of this campaign. Yeah, I mean it's been years. Number one, there's nothing like saying I've ran a game for 15 years, seven of which we actually played hard. Yeah. Um, it's probably been more than seven, but I, I will say seven strong. Um, I've watched characters change, uh, and uh, I wouldn't say change, evolve drastically. Yeah. Like drastically. Um. I I remember you switching characters as a player and watching you change as a player, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Um, and I love both of your characters. I I really did. Oh yeah, sure. Um, no, I, I I loved Ferdinand too. I just I couldn't play him anymore because he was so masculine, and yeah. that was a very difficult thing for me to keep portraying at the time of my life. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I love Ravana, and even Ravana has had drastic changes yeah um i i I wanted to present everyone with 
a challenge in the fourth act that was very personal. Yeah. She um, used to be very lighthearted. Um, very matter of fact, but very lighthearted. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it took an apocalypse to kind of break her. And she's got, uh, she's definitely got some, some things on her shoulders and she's got a little bit of a nihilistic attitude now. Yeah. I mean, in, in one case, I've got a, a player who is trying to figure out the truth of the world, mm-hmm. um, and, and how that's going to play out and, and has an investment because they believe a certain way about magic and what it's, what it's, it's, what it's worth. Mm-hmm. And I think that has really started to shine. Uh, that's Memnon. Um, I've got another player who lost their people. Like my, my king of, uh, of, yeah. of the elves. She, she lost her people 100%. And that was a heavy weight to yeah. take. Like knowing that most of them were probably dead. Yeah. And didn't die in a way that was befitting of their people at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and the truth that had to go into that, um, and make some hard decisions about who they were as a person and how they took ownership of their people. Yeah. yeah. Um, likewise, Crowley, who I gave an existential crisis of faith to, of, of being so far away from the faith that they started with, has completely switched and has now gone from a god of, uh, a, a follower of, of destruction and understanding it to entropy. Mm-hmm. And understanding that there's a cycle to it, yeah. Um, and so, as so much as being concerned that they may have been a deity of their own for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, my knightly character Tarak, I wouldn't say so much has changed. So much has just slowly become more and more noble. Yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, shed the the visage of um, the questing knight. Mm-hmm. And more taken up the like the the, the warrior's mantle. And yeah. In fact, he's actually on the on the on the council now. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. so is, is kind of leading to a degree his people into a new direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, chieftain's mantle. Yeah. 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 And your character, I will one hundred percent say, like you were saying, has changed and shifted. Um. But also have, has found some level of like went from a world that and, and literally like I, I'm not even doing the job that I was said to do. Like I was supposed to be scouting. I was supposed to get you guys over the mountains and go home. That was yeah. my job. And literally now I'm 250 years in the future. Everyone I know is dead. Why am I even here? Mm-hmm. To and I might not even be real. Yeah, I might not. Like, like do we get true resurrected or, yeah. or what? Am yeah. I a figment of someone's imagination? Exactly. To I need to protect these people. Mm-hmm. And and these individuals, I this has meaning to me. Holy shit! Like now, I, I found something amidst this crap pile that means something to me, and I'm going to defend it with my life and yeah. every ounce of magic. Yeah, yeah. So I think that 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 was the big thing, and the the shifting of the plot as I had it. Um, and it always amazes me to go back and look at my notes and read about my players and what they've said and how that has changed to today. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I, I just, it's fun hearing the stories of, from seven years ago, from player to player. Like, hearing Ravana listen to stories about a time from before Bone Sunder was in the game. Mm-hmm. Between two characters bantering. Yeah. At a, at a, a fireside, or, or during a fight even. And it's, we have camaraderie, mm-hmm. and I love it. I absolutely love that. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. can't you can't fake that. I mean, you can, but it doesn't have the same feeling. And I love watching it. I yeah. love seeing that in game. Yeah, I'll definitely say it's one of the, one of the better uh, one of the things I think I enjoy the most about your game is the uh, the organic. Um, 
I don't even know if it's camaraderie, like, camaraderie in some ways, but like I've also kind of got like that rivalry with Memnon, totally. and like, but that all plays out organically, very much uh, so at, at the table. And I really, I really like the inter-character interactions. Yeah, you definitely slip. All of you slip into character very quickly. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. So, uh, so what were some trouble things for you? Just a, a little, little stumbling box along the way for you. Players forgot a lot. Yeah. That made it very hard. It yeah. was very hard to keep things ticking along down a path if they don't remember what happened. Especially coming back from the hiatus. That was was super hard. That was super hard. But it also kind of helped in the hard shift that I did. Sure. It kind of gave me a restart point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But especially, too, though, like, coming back from the hiatus for you, um, like, on a personal note, Mm -hmm. was you you and your family had been through a lot of hardship. Yeah. um, Over that hiatus, and it was a necessary hiatus for, you know, for health reasons. Yeah. And, uh... So, you know, when you were like, I think I'm going to get my game going, like every single one of your characters or one of your players showed back up and was like, awesome. What do you need from us? Like, we were just so overjoyed to see you getting back in behind the screen. Yeah, being creative again. And being creative again and trying to um, resume some sort Mm -hmm. of normality in your life that like, absolutely, man. Like, I don't care if it's been seven years. I don't care if I've forgotten all of your plot. Like, remind us. Whatever. Let's roll some dice. And I I think that helped out a lot and it got me through quite a bit. And it was wonderful. It really was. Um Shifting from three to five, I would say, was not necessarily easy, but at the same time, um, I just had to let things go. Mm-hmm. I had to let balance go out the door and just be like, okay, I'm going to present shit yeah. and, and let it happen. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a big change there for me. Um, I did lose a lot of focus and wondered if I should stop the game, cold turkey, and just walk away. Um, but I I couldn't. I think mm-hmm. I think that was kind of a troubling thing was because I I had invested so much that I was like I can't do this to my players. Yeah. I yeah. really can't. So, and I think, a, I think a bit that, of that like sunk cost fallacy almost where it's like we've yeah. been playing for so long and we've got so much involved in the story that we might as well just swing it into the last act and just yeah. go for broke. Yeah. So I I think that was it. But I mean, even amidst all the trouble, all of the things that I ran into, my terrible notes at times, falling apart, railroading things, Doing pretty much all of the terrible things that DMs do behind the screen, mm-hmm. I learned a lot. And taking the break and restarting and having a refresh point kind of let me shake some of that off yeah. and then evolve faster and cleaner from there. And, so. and, I, and I think that's one of the one of the greatest things about, like, especially having a, a, a game that runs so consistently and for so long is that you do – work through a lot of those stumbling blocks that storytellers have mm-hmm. you know it happens organically at the table and you look back on it and you go okay well maybe i'll do this different next time but with that consistency with that practice you do get a lot better at, yeah. at storytelling yep yeah, yep yeah. so uh and uh finally your inspirations what were some uh were some things that uh that, that you just you little snippets you want us to know that fell into this game so for you? um helrua or not helrua galdea uh, the city of Galdia, which I said was kind of like Vegas. Um, I remembered watching the anime uh, uh, Samurai Seven, which is a, a Seven Samurai reboot rebirth. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, in it, one of the characters is the uh, dear friend of an of a uh, a warrior, if you will, a fighter for one of the who had, who had fallen in a battle, and they they had lost touch with each other, and they had actually. Uh, died and kind of drifted down, or didn't die, but kind of had been injured and drifted into this community, this secret community. Mm-hmm. And 
I looked at this community and it was very small, but I liked what I had seen. It was a very protected community. It was hidden in a valley and it was, uh, and it, but it was entertaining and there was good food and drink and, and things were just allowed to happen there. And mm-hmm. I took that and I was like, okay, I can work with this. Mm-hmm. Like I can work with this image of, of care, people who care about their community, even if their community isn't perfect, but is energized and and they're making the best of the world that they can mm-hmm. um and i was like i'm i'm gonna work with this and make Geldia. like i'm gonna make the better view of what what a syndicate might do for a community yeah right and on. and like protect them from like oh the laws of the humans say this hey buddy that's on that side of the wall kiss mm-hmm. off um at the same time, I I wanted to have the humans have a judge dread kind of aspect mm-hmm. where they had law and law was hard. Yeah, meaning it's enforced by magic. Mm-hmm. Like they actually have orbs of law there that when you're near them, you're compelled to do lawful things. Or and if I, you break the law, you feel compelled to blurt it out. I have just killed a man in cold blood. Please take me into custody. Why did I just say that? Exactly. That kind of a thing. And, and because of like how that would affect and change communities and not only that, but like the wizards who help people on the road as they travel between these communities, these justicars who basically show up and they're like, Hey, uh, I see you're on your way to this town. I'm going to give you a copy of their laws. Cause you're going to, as you get closer, you're going to note that you're going to have to follow this, these kind of subtle mm-hmm. laws. So just, just to keep in mind, here's where things are at or like, Oh, this happened on the road between these two places. Okay. We're going to help take care of the, the legal issues here yep, and handle yep, yep. that. Um, all the way out to the hard stuff that happens within the cities and them being the judge and jury effectively. Like when someone comes up and says, I just stole some bread. All right. You stole some bread. Let's deal with this. Mm-hmm, Come on mm-hmm. back over here. Are you going to pay him? I can't pay him right now. All right. So he can't pay you right now. Okay. What kind of repercussions and deal with that on a person to person basis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to have that, that lighter hand of judge dread if you could. Um, and, and I think that worked out pretty well. And, and I used, uh, Sam and Max as two characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you're familiar with the cartoon character Sam and Max, a very large dog, anthropomorphic dog, and I, I want to say Max is a bunny? I think so. Um, Sounds right. And But he's fucking crazy. Um, but I loved that they were like an investigative duo. Uh-huh. And so I kind of made two Justicars. The first two Justicars, they meet Sam and Max. I love it. Um, where love one it. of them is is kind of a little more wily and wants to do things that way. And, and the other is very straightforward and by the I book. love that you and I both did that, actually. Because I have <laughs> I have a couple of uh, the people from the Sigic Order yep. in, in mind that are uh, uh, Friday and uh, and Ganon yep. from, uh, from Dragnet. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I love being able I to I need do a cop duo. Here. What pop culture can I pull from? Yeah, and I, I think it's a very good way of handling those types of things. Um, That's great. Um, and there were lots of other little one, little things that rolled through my game that were inspirations from movies and music. Music had a huge impact on how I moved through the plot as a whole. Um, like, uh, um, uh, was it Viva La... Viva La Vidi from, uh, it's a song, I can't think, I can't say the name right now, I apologize. Um, but there's a line in the song, um, where, uh, it's, uh, uh, in the morning I, I, uh, sleep alone, I sweep the streets that I used to own. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that line rolled in my head specifically about Vicky's father, mm-hmm. uh, this this king who was going to have to abdicate, and what was going to happen to him? Where was he going to end up once he abdicated? Like he's he's not going to own anything anymore. Like yeah. how how is his world going to fall apart? Um, and uh, what what ends up with we like where does he end up? And I kind of had a vision for how that felt. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I, I would play that for myself to remind me of it. And so there was a lot of that in it and the music over the years just I, – I still have playlists that I listen yeah, to you, all the time. Yeah, you pull a lot of your your inspiration from music. Yeah. Like I say, I've had a lot of these conversations with you and mm-hmm. of, of, of little inspirations over the years and that's, that's usually like I was listening to the song and mm-hmm. – you know. I, it's, it's my mind goes to visuals. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And it helps. It really does. Absolutely. It really does. There's been a lot of shower – moments of eureka you know mm-hmm. <laughs> so. all right so we are severely over time as yes. usual with yes. these with these campaign breakdowns uh sorry, but we not do sorry. but we do have some questions okay we got we got a bunch of questions so uh i'm gonna fire them at you here sure we'll try and hit these fast if they've already been covered uh so nevim asks uh, a couple questions here um have the players been playing the same characters for those 15 years yes only you switched characters and i've lost Two technically, uh, and and only because I changed genders along the way, so yeah. uh, or gender presentations, I should yeah, say. Other than that, no class changes, no respects, nothing. Yep. So, all right. Uh, how do you manage to keep the flame burning uh, for over a decade? Um, it's it's really hard. Um, I will say that it's 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 because they're my dear friends. Like you, you guys are very dear to me, and it keeps me in invested. Um, it hasn't been easy for either of us. I, I imagine it would have been very easy just to say, all right, I'm, I'm just throwing the campaign away. If when you said, I think I'm going to run a game again, if all of your players hadn't just immediately reported for duty. Right. I, th- I think I would have walked away from it at that point. Yeah. And I think it would have been hard for me to walk into another game. I, I imagine it would have been. So, yeah. So I think that that made it very different for me and, and brought me back into gaming, really. Uh, so how did you over over these of this, this 15 years, how do you manage the evolution of characters? It wasn't easy. Um, a lot of it was listening and watching the changes and discovery of players and trying to see what they were discovering. Mm-hmm. L- like the small events. Watching Crowley change from this person of destruction to a person of entropy uh, and giving them opportunities. Like at one point Crowley literally had their hand on the orb of destruction Yeah, and channeled to kill one of the villains committed just mass genocide well not only that but i don't think they i don't think the intention was there i don't think crawley himself knew exactly how far it was going to go but did will it yeah wanted to power word kill this thing Mm -hmm. and did unfortunately it went a hundred times fold because they said kill my enemy and expected it to be the enemies in the space, but in fact went through the gateway beyond them, killing everyone else that was there. Yep. You yep. know, literally thousands of orcs died at by by Crowley's hand. And I think that that made a significant impact. Um and watching that and being like, okay, how am I now gonna present situations after that, not nearly as dramatic, that still have the feel, the mm-hmm. tenor that mm-hmm. goes in it. And your character coming new as Ravana listening to you as a player talk about your detachment from the world mm-hmm. and and trying to help figure out what that was and then giving you presentations of attachment. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. And give, give me things to latch on to and find meaning to find amongst the wreckage, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, da, 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 da. uh, how did you expect the campaign to run? Oh, sorry, no. did you expect the campaign to run such a lengthy time? I think we talked about this. No, we, no. I expected you, it to be about a year. And then, and then you just saw what a monster you'd created and went, oh god, we gotta, we yeah. gotta go longer. Yeah, and, and now I'm, now I'm definitely trimming things back. I only deal with narrative scenes that are important. Mm-hmm. And if you guys are doing combat, like, I either trim the combat heavily yeah. with skill checks and things like that to make it easy. Um, or make it very meaningful. And and you would also mention, too, that there was a lot of things that kind of got out of hand from scope because you weren't tying up plot lines as yeah. succinctly as you wanted. You you're, you had a, you were introducing a lot of characters and, you know, a lot yeah. of ambiguity and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so Tim Saucer asks, uh, what part of your campaign are you the most proud of? Oof. Oof. That, that's a big You've question. only got 15 years worth to pick from, so um, make it good. Yeah, I, I want to say the in-jokes and and stories that the players put together, or the, not even so much the characters mm-hmm. recite after seven years. I still have in-jokes of Spellbeggar. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, the, the cleric at Slam being called a Spellbeggar. Crowley a, Inslayer. Yeah, you know? Inslayer. Like, little, little in, little in-jokes mm-hmm. that the players have between each other or stories that they have, you know, thing, items that they recall that they pull out and use that are years, like literally years old, yeah. makes it feel like you're you're really in one of the like fantasy novels where you're not just like reading about a moment in their history that they're describing oh, yeah. to you. You've got organically created history, yeah. You know, and, and that's that's a rare thing to touch on. You but know? not only that, but they remember it. Yeah, they they like having you guys return to places right uh the oubliette mm-hmm. uh where you found Kmore, and having everybody like wait i remember this space i remember what was here okay okay this is where we found the mugs the magic mugs and mm-hmm. and and that's enjoyable that's that's something that i can really yeah. smile about and say that's that's what this game was really i could take away from this game and be very very happy about and you too like personally have evolved a lot as a storyteller oh, yeah there's there's a lot of things i'll never do again mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's a lot of pieces of story and there's a lot of things now that i'm that i do uh because of even stc and things that we've studied where i would say i would i would be i i it makes me a different game or ever or game master every time i literally sit down at the table yeah absolutely so. Absolutely. So I love that. Uh, so, uh, IGJFCF, I've yeah. always been Charles. 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 Uh, <laughs> is, uh, uh, asks, uh, you'd be amazed to learn how you didn't get bored of the same campaign after so long. Oh, I did. Several times. Hunt, I, I, I can flat out say I did. Um, I remember a, a few times sitting down in front of you saying, I just need to finish this. Yeah. Like, I yeah. am, I am tired. It's just long. There's so much I'm dealing with. I told it, to, I said it to Vicky a number of times yeah. over the years where I would be, I'd come out of a game where I'd be, it'd be coming up to a game session and I'd be like, I'm exhausted. It feels like a marathon and yeah. it, it doesn't end. Like I, I, I'm, I'm happy my friends are coming over to play Dungeons and Dragons with me, but like, uh, I don't want to do this. Like, this is almost like pulling teeth now. Yeah. You know? But at the same time, I remember time, you having that conversation with me a couple times. Yeah. But I'm ex- recently. Yeah. I'm excited to finish it. Yeah. Like, I want the finish to have meaning and impact. I, the sunk cost fall- fallacy. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I can't. You're 90% of the way through. You can't stop now. No, yeah. And I've got people depending on me. I've mm-hmm. got, I've got this whole thing behind it. And I feel like if I just let these characters die on the vine, that they just shrivel up and we don't know what ends here. Nobody gets closure. Nobody gets you. closure. And my yeah. wife 
hates cliffhangers. Yeah. So I yep. need to find an end on this yeah. if I want to keep that relationship going. So, yeah. So that's that. That that's my that's mine. All there right. we go. I, any... I've unpacked. You that was a lot. It was a lot, but you did it. I did. I did. I got through it. So, uh, so you know, obviously, if anybody has any follow up questions uh, yeah. for for Rob about his campaign setting, uh, about you know his thought process, uh, the how world. he evolved the campaign over the times so of that, that that you don't feel were answered here, yeah, uh, you know, um, hit us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, uh, you know, uh, shoot us up on our Discord, um, you know, we, we're more than happy to to share any of our resources with you, yeah. and but that's but that's Rob's game, start yeah. to finish, there, you know, so. Next week is the first of the month, so we're going to get back to our 101 series. We're going to talk about what is an adventure, and we're going to break down the components of the of the the, the smaller part. We've been talking about plots. It's, we've been talking yeah, about other things. It's a it's a bit more of like our, our 101 version of okay. Now, how do we let you do all the stuff we literally just talked about in this episode? You know, right, right. And and how do you make it granular so that you're not talking about the epic plot, the whole plot thing? You're talking about this particular episode that you're going to bring your players into and. What is the what are the equations like for being able to make that work in an organic way? Make it bite sized and engaging for your players. Yeah, without it saying this is a this episode or this is a this. Like, what chunks do I need to make sure that I have to make that decision of how do I want to play this? Yep, so, absolutely. all right. Well, I think we're wrapping up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've had more than enough crammed in here. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave. On Instagram, ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. Uh, we'd love to, you know, have a, you shoot some questions to us, join the discussion, bounce some ideas off your fellow storytellers. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members uh, who help us out every month, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion Veteran, Subjet, and Hulavu. We really appreciate all of your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. I highly recommend you guys go out there. It is very, very fun to find good music. Um, intro music is by Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geekfrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're listening to right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. Big shout out as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for Thank supporting you. and loving Thank us. You. All of our friends who've sat at our tables for 15 years for this Ooh, campaign. 15 years. And you, every single one of our listeners. Thank you so much. We love you. Thank every you. Every single one of you. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.